My name is Gabriel Forsyth. I'm the pastor of discipleship and mission here at Mosaic Church. And uh, as the mission pastor here, I think it's so cool that while we're celebrating Mission Serve Global together as a church this weekend, that our lead pastor and our executive pastor and the leadership team, some of the leadership guys from Mosaic Latino, they're in Guatemala serving the church in Guatemala, serving pastors from throughout Latin America, uh, equipping them to plant more churches. So that's really, really cool. And this morning, we want to spend some time with you guys, uh, reminding you, encouraging you, maybe exposing you to uh, you to the first time who our global partners are and what God's doing through us and in us through those partnerships that we have globally. And so this morning, I'm going to walk you through who our partners are. Uh, we partner as a church with individuals and missionaries and organizations who are making the gospel known, either through church planting, uh, through making disciples and planting churches, or through justice and mercy, through engaging in biblical th- works of justice and mercy, caring for orphans, widows, the poor, uh, lifting those uh, out of slavery and into freedom. And so uh, we have those two kind of partnerships. So the first ones we're going to look at this morning uh, are church planting partners. And, and just so you know, as we go through these slides, um, these partners, this is how we're getting loud as a church outside the walls of our church, how we're getting outside of Central Florida, how we're getting loud for the gospel as a church. And so um, this, as you see on this first slide, um, uh, these are our church planting partners in the region of North America and South America. And for us as a church, this first region is a priority region for us. And let me tell you why. Uh, many of you here in Central Florida, you probably moved here to escape the cold in the Northeast, right? And you came down here to Florida to get away from, from the cold of New England or the Northeast of the United States. And, and, then, or, and then another demographic in our city that's large is uh, people who have moved here from Latin America. And so because as a church, number one, we have lots of connections to the Northeast and to Latin America, it's a strategic place. But the other reason is that the Northeast and Latin America are, are in need of gospel-centered, healthy churches. In the Northeast, um, it's become the, the region of the United States that the le- that's the least evangelized, at least evangelical in the United States. And, uh, and then throughout Latin America, I mean, Latin America is a sleeping giant that's waking up to the gospel, but they're in need of more gospel-centered churches. And so we want to partner in those places. As you can see, some of the cities that this year were supporting church plants in places like Canada and Philadelphia and Homestead, Florida, Mexico City, Rio de Janeiro. One cool thing about our partners in Rio, Jay Bauman, uh, we've been supporting him for a number of years now. Three years ago, he planted a church in Rio, and we've been supporting that. This year, we're increasing our support of him because he started a church planning residency for, to train up more guys. So he's got 10 Brazilian guys that are going to be planting churches over the next two years throughout Brazil. So not only are we having an impact through one church, but that is multiplying into 10 more church plants over the next two years. So that's what we love to see is the multiplying effect of supporting churches who are planting churches. Uh, Our next set of partners, you'll see uh, this area of Africa and Europe. Europe is in desperate need of gospel renewal. Uh, Very few people go to even go to church anymore. And as as, uh, they they say that less than 3% of Europe is evangelical, considered evangelical. And so there's a need for new churches, gospel renewal in that culture. And then Africa, kind of the opposite of Europe, Christianity has exploded in Africa over the last hundred years, and God is doing amazing things throughout the continent of Africa. But with that explosive growth, there's a need for discipleship and for church planning and for leadership development. And so uh, our partners in Africa and in Europe are coming alongside uh, 
churches, to plant more churches and to make disciples and to raise up leaders. Our, our next uh, area of church planning is Asia. Asia is just huge. Uh, Asia has a population of 4 billion. That's B with a, a billion with a B. That's huge. 4 billion. There are nearly 5,000 unreached people groups throughout Asia. Unreached meaning they have had no gospel witness, no gospel presence. No one is sharing the gospel among them. And so we want to invest in people that are, that are planting churches and making disciples among the unreached in Asia. You guys, this is really, really exciting. These church planting partners are investing in fulfilling the Great Commission, making disciples, planting churches, and we love to be a part of it. Next, we're going to look at our justice and mercy partners. And as we go through these, we're going to go through these one by one. And these are individuals or, or organizations who are doing works of justice and mercy around the world. The first one is um, Agape International Mission. So this first partner and the next one that you'll see after this, they are engaged in uh, ending trafficking around the world. So it, as, as you may know, the, the butlers, Brandon and Natasha Butler, came from Mosaic Church, moved to Cambodia to work with AIM and to rescue women and, and young girls from trafficking and to, to bring them into a place where they can experience healing and restoration and freedom and then reintegrate them back into the community. And so they've been seeing some awesome things happen. Uh, Brandon and Natasha spent the last few years in the city of Siem Reap in investing and in leading the programs there. And now they've raised up Cambodian Christians to take over the work. And they're moving to Phnom Penh this summer because the work is exploding so much in Phnom Penh that they need to come and, and help there. So uh, really excited to continue to partner with them in that. Our next partner, Love 146, also doing a similar work of rescuing from trafficking. They really focus on prevention education and survivor care. They're working in the United States, the United Kingdom, and the Philippines. Uh, one of the things that they're doing here in the United States is a, a prevention education curriculum called Not a Number, because oftentimes in these brothels around the world, uh, the girls that have been trafficked, they wear a number. And so they, they've got this curriculum called Not a Number. And uh, over the last nine months, they've been able to give this curriculum and share this curriculum in schools around the United States and, and train four, over 4,000 children on what to look for in traffic and how to be aware of when, what, what trafficking is and looks like. And so as a result of that training, um, that's generated some disclosures, 20 disclosures, in fact, of trafficking and commercial sexual exploitation, as well as 55 disclosures of, of uh, physical and sexual abuse. And so as, what they're seeing is that for every 200 children that they can train in this curriculum, that equals one uh, exposure of a case of trafficking that comes to light. And so it's huge for them to get to do this. And uh, we're excited to partner with them in that. Our next partners are in Africa, and they're working in a kind of different side of things. And so we moved to the focus on poverty and alleviating people out of poverty. So Hope Africa Collective, they are uh, focusing on young adults in the impoverished communities, the townships of Cape Town. And in these townships... As they are training up young adults to, to understand the gospel, to understand who they are as disciples and to be empowered out of, out of poverty, this year they're training 100 students through their discipleship, I mean 300 students through their discipleship training course. 
And one of the things that after a student has completed the discipleship training course, they want to help them figure out a job, figure out either a job outside the townships or something, some kind of uh, entrepreneurial venture they can do in, within the townships. And one of the ideas that's emerged is helping young women start, um, uh, start a hair salon because it's a business they can run out of their home, open it in the front room of their home, and, and, and it's relatively inexpensive to start, but then it, it enables them to have a sustainable business. And so... Um, really cool that this past year they opened three hair salons. This year they're going to be opening 17 more, uh, helping women start these hair salons in the community. So really, really cool stuff there with Hope Africa Collective. Uh, our friends uh, uh, Jordan and Heather Hugger that came from Mosaic last year, they moved to South Africa. They're, um, as they've this past year been getting settled in South Africa and figuring out where they're going to invest, they also have a heart for the poor and working with uh, impoverished communities and uh, so they've focused in on a community called Seven De Lan, which uh, is, a, is a community that is uh, one of the townships in, in, in Cape Town. And what they've been doing there, Jordan has helped build a large aquaponic system for this community. And he's been doing it not just by himself, but with guys from the community so that they learn how to do it. And in that, um, that, that this aquaponic system will provide fresh Um, organic fruits and vegetables for the community. And then uh, they're able to teach in the community about health and nutrition. And then also they're doing this thing called the Dignity Campaign. And Heather is a big part of doing this to work with young girls and women in South Africa and and instill in them this idea of dignity and help them experience healing and education as women. So uh, really, really cool stuff. Um, Our next set of partnerships that I'm going to walk you through uh, are our orphan care partnerships. And so as a church, this is one of the justice areas that we're really passionate about. And so we have a ministry called Love Made Visible. That's our orphan care ministry here at the church. And uh, locally, we focus on on caring for orphans and vulnerable children in our community through adoption, foster care, safe families. Many of you are involved in those things. But then we also uh, Love Made Visible partners with organizations globally that are doing great work that we, we want to look for like-minded partners that we can uh, run fast and run hard with to care for orphans around the world. So our first uh, one globally is uh, Operation Rescue Ethiopia. They're one of our longest running partners. Uh, if you've been around Mosaic for a while, you know that we've been working with them for a while. In 2013, uh, we were able to start a new child sponsorship program in the city of Ottawa, uh, and it started with 50 children, and each year they've been adding 25 more children, and they work with the local social workers in that town to identify the kids in the community that are in need, and then um, we partner with them to to facilitate that program, and so now we're up to 100 kids, and uh, this program facilitates for these kids an opportunity, a community center for them to come to after school where they can can, uh, get uh, help with their homework, where they can take language classes, computer classes, where they can um, uh, be discipled and where they can be uh, integrated into a community of people that are going to help them in the long run succeed and, and flourish in life. Uh, so we're really excited to partner with in Ethiopia. Uh, our next place is Guatemala, Funda Ninos. As you saw, uh, Renault and Phil and the guys from Mosaic Latino are there right now. And so in Guatemala, we have partnerships with some churches, but we also have a partnership with this home, Funda Ninos. This is a home for uh, children that have been uh, abandoned, abused, neglected, and, and who are eligible for adoption often. Um, but what's happened in their story, which is pretty interesting, is 
Early on, Fundanillo's mission was to get kids adopted, particularly internationally. And so they would take in kids that they knew would be able to be adopted, and they would work to find families in the United States to get them adopted. Well, then uh, suddenly Guatemala's borders closed to adoption. And, um, they, and, and so at first they were like, okay, it's going to be a few years, and then uh, the borders will open back up to adoption, and we can resume business as usual. Well, now it's been over 10 years. And they're still close to adoption. And so what's happening with Fundaninos is they're entering into a new chapter where now suddenly they've got uh, a lot more teenagers than they expected to have because they thought they would be adopted, you know, five, ten years ago. And so now they've got all these teenagers and they're working to, to, to initiate some things with job training and higher education and things to help these kids transition out that, that they never expected that would, it would last this long, right? And so it's really interesting that we get to come alongside them and as a church help them navigate this next chapter. So we're excited to do that. Finally, uh, our partners in Honduras, uh, Legacy of Hope, and um, Matt and Marianne Spangler are the founders of that. And then we have um, a couple people from our church that have moved there actually to work with them. And so Sophia Fitzgibbon and Jim and Teresa McNerlin have moved to Honduras to work with them. And what Legacy of Hope is doing is really awesome. They are literally pioneering foster care in Honduras. And so they're working with a vision to, to, to make sure that kids that are orphaned, abandoned, abused, neglected in Honduras uh, are able to be, be, be with loving and caring families and safe and loving, caring families rather than in some huge orphanage where they're going to get lost in the crowd and it's not going to be a healthy environment. So they're really pioneering foster care and it's awesome. Well, just to give you an example of just kind of the impact their ministry is having, uh, since uh, Sophia moved down there in January, she moved down there uh, to open up an emergency placement house that would be uh, able to facilitate a, a safe place for kids to be for 72 hours, sometimes a little more. But the idea is a place for kids to land while uh, the social workers are looking for a safe and loving place for them to be long-term. So it's a short-term placement. But since she's been there in January, she's had 49 children come through her home. And she's 20 years old running this house. Yeah. So this is the kind of impact in ministry that we get to have as Mosaic Church around the world. We're excited to partner with these guys. And then finally, as a church, we love it that when we get to send people like the Fitzgibbons and the McNerlands and people that are stirred to say, I want to go somewhere long-term and serve God's global mission. And so this last slide, you'll see some of the families in our church that right now are preparing and training to go serve globally. Uh, first, we have uh, Jared and Heather Hanks who are doing a YWAM DTS at YWAM Orlando. This is a, a training course uh, where they'll spend several months in, in discipleship training, and then they'll spend uh, a couple months in outreach to a specific place. And they're looking at going to Italy for their outreach and uh, doing uh, ministry in Europe. And so uh, they're taking this discipleship training course as an opportunity to, to really explore where God might have them land long term. They know that God's put a call on their lives, and they're just exploring the options as to where. And so we love to, to be able to send and support them. Chris and Sherry Knight, last year in our Global Missions Weekend, they sat where you guys are sitting. They listened to Renault share about our, God's heart for the nations and uh, the call as a church to go short-term and long-term. And as they listened to that, God really stirred their hearts that they are called to go somewhere long-term. And so uh, since last year, they've been uh, in that process of exploring where God might uh, use them and send them. And they've landed on going to Europe with uh, a missions organization called SEND. And uh, they're going to be 
be a part of a church planning team somewhere in Eastern Europe in the Balkan regions. They've narrowed it down to a few places. And uh, this summer and this fall, they're going to be stepping into some training and preparation to hopefully go in January to be a part of this church planning team. And then finally, you see the cool guy in glasses. That's Joey Quant. He's at YWAM Taipei, Taiwan. Uh, He's doing a, a... study course there that's called um, School of Biblical Studies. And what that is, is he's spending nine months going through the entire Bible inductively, like verse by verse, digging into the context and the meat and the connections to all of the scripture so that he understands all of scripture. And this is the foundation that he's stepping into to train and prepare to the next thing that he feels like God's calling him to, which is to pioneer ministry in Taiwan. Uh, That's going to be a discipleship-focused ministry on reaching the youth of Taiwan with through sports and through an engagement in discipleship. So we're excited to partner with these different guys, um, both here uh, that are preparing to go as well as those that we're already connected to globally. Guys, there's countless stories that I could share. We could go on for hours and hours and hours about all the different stories, but we don't have that kind of time this morning. I know you guys are like, oh, what's, is this, how much longer is this going to go on? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to transition out of this. And um, the next part that we really want to share with you guys is as you hear about these different global partners, you may be asking yourself, you may be wondering, what's my part in all of this? Where, where do I connect? Where do I fit? And, and so hopefully as you learn and as you heard about these different global partners, I hope one or two of them really stuck out to you that you're going to go out of here and learn more about and connect with. Uh, but next, we want to really answer the question for you. What's your part in this story? So take a look at this video. Jesus said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet, when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. We are the evidence of this great truth. The living branches of God's kingdom, redeemed by the power of the cross. We've been grafted into his family, adopted as sons, and commissioned as saints. Therefore we go, proclaiming the king and his coming kingdom, empowered by the spirit. We are sent to sow the seed of the gospel among every tribe, tongue, language, and people. What a mighty God we serve, ruler of heaven and earth, worthy of our every word, every thought, every breath. We exist to make his name known. He is our Father, undying in love. He is our Lord, our Redeemer, our King. He is enthroned forever. By the work of Christ alone, we are united in Him, heirs of the Kingdom of God. Reminded by the humblest of seeds,
We are really, really excited for what, uh, what we're about to step into this morning. We're going to jump into God's Word, and uh, we're going to go from Genesis to Revelation this morning, uh, and I'm going to preach for an hour. So why don't you guys stand uh, just for a moment? We'll stand, and we're going to pray together uh, as we step in, and uh, now's your chance to run to the restroom if uh, the coffee's already starting to hit you. Um, let's pray together, and we'll jump into God's Word. Uh, this morning. God, we are grateful for you. God, that you love us, that you care for us enough that you would call us to be characters in your story, but also carriers of your story. God, I pray that as we step into uh, asking some questions about what it means to, to get uh, loud and, and engage beyond the four walls of this church all over planet Earth, God, speak to us, each one of us individually, and share with us what part we play in your unfolding plan. And it's in Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. You guys can have a, a seat. We have been talking for the last few months. If you've been at Mosaic for a while, you know uh, we've been talking about what it means to get loud as a church. And uh, our heart at Mosaic is, is that we would never be a church that is so focused and so consumed by what is going on within the four walls of this church that we forget about all that God is doing beyond the four walls of this church uh, in our community, but also beyond our community into the world. Uh, we want to be a, a church, a people uh, who is getting loud, not so that the name of Mosaic would be made great in this, uh, you know, region or all over the world, but so that the name of Jesus would be made great uh, in this area, in Central Florida, and also all over the world. We've been talking about getting loud. We've been dreaming about getting loud. We've been planning to get loud. We've been giving generously as a church so that we can get loud. We have been stepping into God's story and we're excited this year as we have Mission Serve Global to think about and dream about a little bit more what that actually could mean for us. As a staff and as a team of leaders, um, we've been walking through this incredible passage of scripture uh, that arguably, and you wouldn't have a very good argument if you tried to argue this, the greatest Christian missionary besides Jesus, uh, Paul, wrote to a church uh, in Thessalonica, and uh, he wrote a letter to them, and it's called First Thessalonians. We've been camping out in this scripture um, where Paul is writing to this church and commending them um, for the incredible work uh, that the gospel has been doing in and through uh, the Thessalonians. So grab your Bibles. We're going to go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, and we're going to jump into this passage of Scripture together. If you've got a Mosaic Bible, you'll find 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 on page 681. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Now Paul went and planted the church in Thessalonica and later wrote a letter to them uh, celebrating all that God was doing in Thessalonica. And so 1 Thessalonians 1, starting in verse 6, he says, And you became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers 
in Macedonia and Achaia. So not just in Thessalonica, but the whole region of Macedonia and Achaia, this church was becoming an example to the believers. Verse 80 says, For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere. Wow, what an awesome portion of scripture. What an awesome encouragement to the church uh, in Thessalonica where Paul writes and says that the word of God was sounding forth from Thessalonica, that they were a model church, a church that all of the churches in Macedonia and Achaia could look to and say, this is what the gospel ought to do in a church and through a church because the word of God was sounding forth all over the world. How awesome is that? That the church in Thessalonica was getting loud for the gospel. So great. Well, the Apostle Paul, while he was in Thessalonica, uh, there was another church that Paul had planted, uh, a church in a city called Philippi. And the Philippian church sent on more than one occasion, we don't know how many times, but we know that it was more than once, so two to, you know, several times, the church in Philippi sent finances, sent money to Paul while he was in Thessalonica to aid the Thessalonian church plant. So the Apostle Paul uh, was writing back to uh, the Philippian church toward the end of Paul's life. He's getting ready to give his life up for the gospel. He's being ready, uh, getting ready to be martyred in Rome. And Paul writes a letter to the Philippian church. And we're gonna throw this verse up on the screen. It's Philippians chapter one, verse 27. Paul is writing to the Philippian church who supported the Thessalonian church plant. And he says to them this, He's encouraging them by saying, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. So Paul is writing the Philippian church, encouraging them to continue doing what they've been doing all along, so much so that they were able to aid in the Thessalonian church plant that had sounded forth beyond Macedonia and Achaia all the way to the ends of the earth. Paul is writing to the Philippians saying, hey, I want you to live a life in a manner that is worthy of the gospel and I want you to continue to strive together side by side for the faith of the gospel. And as Gabe, our missions pastor, who you just heard from, and I have been preparing this message together, we've really felt like this is the verse that really encapsulates our heart, what we wanna do, who we wanna be as a church. We wanna be the kind of church, the kind of people that live our lives in a manner that are worthy of the gospel, and we strive side by side together so that when we engage globally beyond the four walls of our church, like the Philippians engage globally beyond the four walls of their church, that we engage in stories like Thessalonica, 
so that the gospel will sound forth into all the world. That's why we support churches uh, who are being planted, who are going to plant more churches. That's why we support people who are engaged in justice and mercy all over the world because we believe that God is unfolding an unbelievable, incredible, well, it's believable, but man, it's, it's incredible, a story all over planet Earth. And we want to engage, not just as characters in the story, but also as carriers of the story. So we're gonna jump into a couple of things this morning from this verse in Philippians, where Paul, in one verse, mentions the gospel in two different, distinct, and important ways. He says that in the very beginning of the verse that we ought to live our lives in a manner worthy of the gospel, that the gospel would do something in our lives so that it would change us and mold us and make us into the people that God has made us to be and that we would strive together side by side for the faith of the gospel. All of us playing our part as characters and carriers of the story. So when Paul is mentioning this thing, gospel, um, if you've been around Mosaic very long, you've heard us talk a lot about the gospel. We're kind of obsessed. If we ever stop talking about the gospel, please, for the love of God, find another church. Just go somewhere else and uh, just, just call it quits. Because if we stop talking about the gospel, that's a bad, bad, bad sign, right? And so as you kind of look into what, what it is to understand the gospel, there are a lot of ways that you can unpack the gospel theologically. One of our favorite ways as a church, because we are a church uh, p- partly because of our lead pastor, Renault, we love story. We love stories. We love uh, how, how God unfolds his story in our lives. And one of the, my most favorite ways to, to explain and understand the gospel is through the overarching story of the gospel, the 30,000 foot understanding of the gospel. And uh, that can be summed up in four words. Four words, creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. So this gospel that Paul is talking about that we ought to live our lives in a manner worthy of where our life is being changed by it and our, our life is being uh, informed by it so that we are taking it beyond ourselves to others. This idea of the gospel is unpacked with creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. If we start with creation, we know that in Genesis, God created the earth, and the the Genesis account gives us six days of creation where God is, uh, for the first five days of creation, he's creating everything we know to be in the universe, all the planets, the galaxies. God is creating the the sun, the moon, the stars. He is creating uh, the heavens, the earth. He's creating the water. He He is forming the universe, and he's also filling the universe with life. He's putting birds in the air and fish in the sea and beasts on the ground. And we recognize that God is creating all of this. And he, after each day of creation, he says that it is good, right? So God creates everything in the first five days of creation to be good. And then on the sixth day of creation, we hit the crescendo. It's that big moment, that, that huge part where you want to like stand up and like shout the, the lyrics. It's like, don't stop believing, oh, oh, you know, it's like, and then it goes way up high and I'm not even going to try that, okay? It's that crescendo moment when God creates 
Genesis 1.27, God creates humanity, mankind, male and female, in his image. And then after he creates male and female in his image, what does he say? It is very good. So God creates a good creation and a very good humanity meant to bear his image in the world. That's, that's the, uh, the imago Dei. And then the very next verse, Genesis 1:28, God gives the first command that he ever gives to human beings. It's called the creation mandate. God gives the mandate, the command that humanity, that male and female who bear his image were to be fruitful and multiply and subdue or fill the earth. So God, in his incredible love for us, creates us in his image and then gives us a calling, a, a job to do, to fill the earth as his image bearers. That's our job. There's this really incredible verse in Habakkuk chapter two, and I know you guys have probably been reading Habakkuk quite a bit lately. Uh, it's, it's kind of an obscure part of the Bible. It's one of the minor prophets. And uh, Habakkuk is, uh, he's actually prophesying against a nation and against the Chaldeans. And he's saying, hey, you're a godless nation and life is not gonna go well for you because you're serving false gods. And in the midst of that, uh, in Habakkuk chapter two, uh, verse 14, he says that the glory of the Lord will fill and cover the earth as the waters fill and cover the sea. And in that tiny little moment in the, in the scripture, we see a hint. We, we, we grasp a, a greater understanding of God's original intention in Genesis chapter two, verse 18 when he tells humanity to go fill the earth and subdue the earth as his image bearers, God's intention was that mankind would carry the glory of the Lord all over the earth as the waters cover the sea. Wow, that's God's intention, that the glory of the Lord would cover the earth and that we, his image bearers, would be the ones to bring the glory of the Lord to bear on planet earth. Wow, what an awesome thing. But we know that the creation story doesn't end there, right? That the gospel continues because the next moment, the next scene, the next grand scene in our human story is that uh, creation decides to rebel against God. Adam and Eve decide to rebel against God. We choose instead of bearing God's image and bringing glory to God to desire our own image and to bring glory to ourselves. We wanted to be our own divinity. We wanted to carry our glory everywhere we went. And we know that that did not go well for humanity. And that all of the brokenness that we experience on planet earth, all of the death all of the sin, all of the atrocities, all of the things that we are, are, are now experiencing on this planet that are not perfect and very good, all of it came from the fall. And because of the fall, our ability to bear the image of God was not completely lost. We, we certainly still have uh, hints of the image of God. We are totally depraved, but we're not utterly depraved, right? 
that sin has affected every part of our life and every part of culture, but sin is not pervasive in the sense that all we do all the time is sin. There are glimmers of hope, glimmers of good, glimmers of the image of God that show up. That's why we have things like love and compassion and charity and fidelity. Those things are true of us because we still bear hints of the image of God. Yet our ability to bear his image and bring his glory all over the earth as the water covers the sea was lost because of the fall. But the story also doesn't end there. Jesus comes. God becomes man. Fully God, fully man. Jesus Christ comes to live life the way that we should have lived. And then he died the death that we deserved for our sin. He died a substitutionary death. He took our sin upon him on the cross. He suffered our shame. He paid for our debt. And because Jesus did that, now our souls can be rescued by faith in him. Now our purpose can be restored because he gives us his purpose and now our future is bright and redeemed because we know that Jesus is going to rule and reign forever and we get to be with him. See, that is the redemption story of the gospel. So we go creation, fall, Jesus enters in with redemption. And as Jesus uh, resurrects from the dead and appears to people for 40 days, he's getting ready to ascend into heaven. And in the moment when he's getting ready to ascend into heaven, it's like, you know, the last words that you're gonna hear come out of Jesus' mouth physically, he's gonna share something pretty important, right? Like if you're on your deathbed, you call your son, your daughter, your husband, your wife over to you, you're not gonna be like, hey, can you make sure the the microwave uh, gets cleaned? It was pretty dirty. Like, you're not gonna say something silly like that. You're going to say something that's very important in that moment. And as Jesus gathers his disciples to himself, as he's about to ascend into heaven, he promises that the Holy Spirit is going to come, that God, the third person of the Trinity, is going to come. And when we put our faith in him, the Holy Spirit is going to inhabit us and that God will be in us and that we would be, uh, as, as Matthew 28 unfolds for us, the Great Commission, that we would be sent out going and making disciples of all nations. Jesus says, going therefore, Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you and I will be with you always to the very end of the age. So Jesus comes in and redeems, rescues our soul and redeems our, our, our purpose and, and uh, restores our purpose and redeems our future. He comes in and then he sends us out on mission to go see other people rescued, to go see other people's purposes restored, to see other people's futures redeemed. He calls us not just as characters in the story, but as carriers of the story. And he invites us to play a part in the final piece of the gospel, which is restoration. That, that in the heart of God, that, that all of the curse of sin, all of the death, all of the, the destruction that sin brought into planet earth would one day be restored. 
And Jesus gives us a, a, a hint for this in Revelation 21 verse five where Jesus says, see, I am making all things new. And you get this beautiful picture in Revelation chapter seven where John looks and he sees a member of every tribe and every tongue and every nation worshiping Jesus, knowing he's king, declaring him to be the king of kings and Lord of lords and ruling and reigning with him forever. This is the gospel and we have been invited in. I don't know where you're at right now on your spiritual journey, but I can tell you with confidence that you are being invited into the story. That if you put your faith in Jesus, that he will forgive your sin. He will rescue your soul. And that he will give you more purpose than you could have ever imagined. There is so much value and dignity in worth in, in following after Jesus because we now can bear the image of God yet again as the Holy Spirit takes up residence in us. So God is unfolding this story, this incredible gospel story, and he's inviting us in to be a part of it. And this is the life that Paul is encouraging us to live a life worthy of. This gospel life, this life that, that is a rescued soul, desiring to rescue the souls of others, partnering with God in saving people. How awesome is that? This, this life that we respond to a restored purpose and now that we've been given purpose and we recognize our God-given purpose to take his glory all over the earth, we invite others into that as well. And knowing that our future is redeemed, we fight for the redemption of others. So this is the gospel life that, that Paul is encouraging the Philippians to take a part in, to respond to, and this is what we're called to be a part of here at Mosaic as well. What an incredible and awesome privilege. The second part of Philippians 1.27, Paul says, I want you to strive side by side together for the faith of the gospel. Well, now that we understand what the gospel is, now, we, now that we, we grasp that, we understand that, that, that as part of the creation mandate, uh, be, because of the fall, that was lost, yet now, through the rescue and the redemption of Jesus, that has been restored to us, and we get to take part in seeing the glory of the Lord cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. We've got to ask the question, what does it look like for us to strive together by faith for the gospel? See, because in the original, the Old Testament, in, in the original design of of uh, creation, God said, I want you to cover the earth with my glory by making babies, right? But in the New Testament with the Great Commission, Jesus said, I want you to cover the earth with my glory by making disciples. And we can't do that on our own. We need each other. Jesus rolled in a team. Paul rolled in a team. Like you look at the New Testament, there's elders, plural, deacons, plural. Like we walk together in fulfilling this great commission. We can't do it on our own. There's no lone rangers. Even that guy had Tonto, right? So we need, we need each other. Some of, you guys, some of you are like at a certain age, you're like, who? <laughs> the other you are like, how do you know, right? And so, uh, yes, even the lone ranger 
had Tonto, okay? We can't do this alone. That's why Paul encourages, encourages them not to strive individually, but to strive together for the faith of the gospel. If you look throughout the New Testament, you hear Paul say things like, uh, in Ephesians chapter four, verse 11, he says, hey, um, Christ himself has given us some gifts to the church. He's given, he's given us apostles and prophets, uh, pastors, evangelists, and teachers. The, the, the prophets of the Old Testament, the apostles of the New Testament, some pastors to pastor, some evangelists to go share the gospel, some teachers to disciple. Why? For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. That God gives the church these gifts so that the saints can be equipped to go do the work of the ministry. That in our going, we would make disciples. All of us going and make, not Renault. Renault is not our like vocational paid disciple maker. Like he's not like our professional disciple guy, right? Like we are all called, all of us, every one of us, if you say Jesus is Lord, you are called to make disciples. And what Jesus says is in your going, I want you to make disciples. Whether you're going to work, whether you're going into your kid's bedroom at night to pray with them and to teach them that Jesus loves them, whether you're going into uh, you know, your in-law's house, God knows they need help, right? <laughs> the nine o'clock, my in-laws were actually here and I was like, oh gosh. Uh, no, it was intentional. Um, I planned most of this stuff. Um, but you know, wherever we go, whatever we're doing on our college campuses, on our, our, you know, in our workplaces, wherever we may go, we're called to make disciples. That word in the Great Commission, it's a transitive word. It's, a, it's an assumed go. It's not like a, God's gonna call some people from you know, Central Florida to Africa and, and you know, that's the only way that you can go, right? God is gonna call some people from Central Florida to Africa, but all of us are called going to make disciples. It's an assumed transitive understanding of, of the word go, that all of us are on the move, that, that the gospel is on the move, and that we get to play a part in seeing the gospel sound forth. So how do we do this? How do we do this together? How do we strive side by side for the faith of the gospel? How, how do we allow uh, the, uh, the saints to do the work of the ministry together? What does it look like as Paul describes in, in, in uh, 1 Corinthians that the, the hand and the eye working together, that, that we can't say we don't need each other, but we need each other. How does this all fit together so that the gospel can go out all over the world? How does that work? Well, I want you to take a look at uh, this, this uh, slide here, the plan. And uh, we believe that, that throughout the scripture, um, God has unfolded several different ways for us to engage throughout uh, the, the Great Commission, to engage with the Great Commission throughout the world. And the plan for us is, it's one of those things that you have to understand as we step in, is that all of us are called to all of these things to an extent. Let me give you an example. The first one, pray. Is everyone called, if you're a Christian, to pray on some level? Yes, yes, we are, okay? Um, and so you have to understand as we walk through these that all of us are called to do all of these things to some extent. We're all invited into the story to engage in global mission, to engage in the gospel in different ways. We're all called to these things to an extent. 
But some of us are called to these things in particular. Like, like this is your thing. Like this is, this is the thing you've been put on planet earth to do. So I'm gonna walk through all of these and I just wanna encourage you as you're, as you're listening in on this. Ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Like, hey, what's my part in this plan? Like, what's my part in this story? How can I be both a character and a carrier of this story? So the first one is pray. Now, we have that one first, not just because that's really good and religious, right? Like, well, everybody's gotta pray. Like, you got to pray just to make it today. You know, like, like in the words of our great theologian friend, MC Hammer. Uh, <laughs> Do not listen to any of his other songs, okay? Just for your soul's sake, okay? Uh, but you know, like, it's not just this like trite thing that we wanna say, well, everyone should pray. No, we really think that this is, it, this is intentionally primary. This is intentionally uh, uh, initial. Because Jesus, when he was with his disciples, he was, he was looking at a field of wheat that was ripe for the harvest. And he looked up at the field and he said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers, the workers, are few. So pray therefore to the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth workers into the harvest field. Guys, this is a big world and a lot of people don't know Jesus. And the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So we truly ought to be praying, all of us should be praying that God would send workers into the field. Paul talks about this when he's writing and saying, hey, pray that God would open up a door for the gospel for us, right? And so all of us are called to engage in the global mission of God to bring his glory to cover the earth through people who are full of the Holy Spirit just as water covers the sea. God's heart is that people from every tribe, tongue, and nation would come to know who he is and we are called to pray. But some of us, some of us, you guys are called to, to pray, some of us are called to intercede. Some of us are called to, to wear out our, our, our knees on our pants by praying for God, for God to reach the nations with the gospel. Some of us are called to intercede in a unique way, spending time and effort and energy, getting to know the stories of these global partners that Gabe shared about today and helping, uh, helping to understand their stories so that you can pray intentionally and that you can intercede on their behalf. Some of us are called to pray in that manner and maybe that's you. Some of us are called to go. Remember, all of us are called with the Great Commission to in our going make disciples of, of people. That's all of us are called to that. But some of us are called to go short term. And by the way, honestly, I would recommend that every human being go at least one time on a short term mission trip during their lifetime because it will change your, your paradigm. It'll change your world. It'll change your life. It'll change the way you see the gospel. It'll change the way you see people. But we go short-term and we go long-term. Some of us are called to go short-term many, many times. I've had the privilege over the last uh, 12 years or so, I've probably led a dozen to, I don't know, 15 mission trips 
And it's been awesome. It's been super fun. It's been super eye-opening. God has just blown my mind with his heart for people as I've been able to get up off of my tush here in Central Florida and fly somewhere in the world for the sole purpose of having an encounter with a human being and, and displaying who Jesus is to them with my words and with my actions. See, when God came to reach humanity, what did he do? Did he like... Uh, build a really sweet website? Did he take out some billboards that are super annoying on the interstate? <laughs> Who does that? Stop it if it's you, okay? <laughs> Did God do that? No. For God so loved the world that he sent his son, Jesus Christ. That whoever believes in him would not perish. See, God loved us so much that he, he came. <laughs> the second person of the, uh, of the Trinity became human. He was fully God and fully man. That, that, uh, that he was God incarnate, right? Emmanuel, he's God with us. And sometimes the gospel is best, most of the time, the gospel is best shared by a human being one-on-one -on -one as Jesus came to be the gospel for us, right? So some of us are called to go short-term, some of us, like Chris and Sherry, like Sophia, like Jordan and Heather, uh, like, like uh, Jared and Heather, right? Uh, we're called to go long-term. And so if we're called to go long-term, holy cow, let's go long-term and let's partner with God. Let's carry the gospel. Let's take it to the world wherever God may call us because the gospel needs to be demonstrated to all of the world so that all of the nations can know Jesus. How awesome is that? Number three, send. Man, in order to go, you gotta be sent. And it's expensive to go, right? So some of us are called to send people. This is exactly what the church in Philippi did for Paul in his church plant in Thessalonica. They sent money so that the gospel could go forth, right? And some of us here, man, God's gonna call you to be a sender. He's gonna call you to send simply by faithfully giving to your local church. That's a good thing. We, we are excited to get loud together as we make a generous portion of our budget go toward global missions, right? That's an awesome thing. God's gonna call some of us to give out of our, uh, the little bit of extra that we might have or the little bit of, of, of sacrifice that we can make. God uh, might call us to give just a little bit of money and it may be a huge sacrifice like the widows might, right? And God may call you to be a sender and you're giving out of lack, but maybe God is calling some of us here to be people who can make lots of money for the kingdom of God. People who are entrepreneurial, who can take a, a business that's failing and make it successful and then use that to fund the kingdom. This is one of the things that Oxum Coffee does. Renault, our lead pastor, started a for-profit company to generate money to be sent all over the world so that the gospel will be made known to people. That's pretty awesome, right? So some of us are gifted with the ability of earning money. Maybe you have a high paying job. Maybe you have a, a, an entrepreneurial spirit. Maybe you're great at flipping houses. Be careful, this market's getting kind of bubbly. Um, but, uh, but I don't know, do your thing. But whatever it is, we may have an opportunity as followers of Jesus who are gifted with the opportunity to make money 
we may have the opportunity to fuel the gospel going into an area of the world that needs it desperately, right? So some of us are called, although all of us are called to give on a level, some of us are called to make that uh, our priority is that we give financially. And we don't give a, a, a heartless check to somebody, right? But we give that with our love. We give that with our, our, our prayer. We give that with our relationship. None of the global partners that we support financially as a church are simply sent a check every month. None, not one of them. Gabe, our missions pastor, Renault, our lead pastor, we're Skyping with our global partners. We're emailing back and forth. We're sending teams so that they can be encouraged, that they can be supported. We wanna go with our finances, but we also wanna go with our heart. And so you may be a person who has an opportunity to make finances available and change the world with the gospel. We also have an opportunity to mobilize, number four. This is actually what I'm doing right now. I'm talking to all of you guys about this awesome story that God is unfolding, and I'm saying, hey, who wants in? That's mobilization. There are a lot of missions organizations that do this really well. YWAM is one of those missions organizations. Uh, Crew, Campus Crusade for Christ, a mobilizing organization. Frontiers, uh, these are organizations here in Orlando that do a great job of mobilization. But some of us can mobilize uh, on an individual level as well. Maybe we can encourage a, a relative or a friend or a, a son or a daughter or an uncle or an aunt to go and, and be a part of the Great Commission. Maybe you have retired parents who are in good health that could use their money, their, money, their time, their energy, and their effort to go share the gospel rather than just, I don't know, collecting seashells on a seashore somewhere with Sally, right? <laughs> See what I did there? Okay. See, we have an opportunity to mobilize one another to engage with the gospel. And how awesome is that? One of the ways that you can also do that here at Mosaic is you can volunteer and give your time with the global missions department here at Mosaic. And you can be a part of helping to mobilize people on mission. So if you're interested in that, go see Gabe. It's an awesome thing. Number five, enable. Some of us, all of us have some level of influence with others, but some of us have a lot of influence and we have an opportunity to use that influence for the gospel. I'll give you an example. We have a doctor that goes uh, to church here, uh, awesome guy, one of our elders in process, um, and we are partnered in Ethiopia with a hospital. So when we go, we wanna do as much as we can to uh, be a blessing to that hospital. They're doing, trying to do a whole lot with a little. And so this particular doctor uses his influence to be able to gather up medical supplies that would not be used in the hospital that would be of great use in Ethiopia. So he gathers up those medical supplies and when they take short-term trips over to Ethiopia, he's used his influence to enable a door for the gospel to be opened. So some of us have that type of influence. Maybe you are in, in management, upper management. Maybe you're on the board uh, for an organization that has a lot of money or, or a company that makes a lot of money and they need to give tax deductible gifts uh, to, to fund good things on planet earth. Well, we're doing good things for the gospel. We're rescuing women from sex trafficking, rescuing children from sex trafficking. We're planting churches. We're seeing poverty being alleviated. All sorts of things that can be done. And if you are a person of influence, you you have the opportunity to harness that influence, not in a manipulation sort of way, but to harness that influence for the king and his kingdom. Amen? And finally, uh, greet. Man, do you guys know what an international uh, Mecca Orlando is? 
not only do we have Disney World, so it's a vacation destination, but many, many people from all over the world are moving to Orlando uh, to be a part of the economy that is growing here, uh, the openness that we have uh, to international people. And here's the thing that we have an opportunity as followers of Jesus and Americans, we have the opportunity to welcome those people into our country regardless of our political preferences for the sake of the gospel. Because regardless of how these people got here, they're here and they need Jesus, right? So let's connect with them. Let's say hello to them. Hi, my name is Joel. It's nice to meet you. How long have you been in the United States? Man, that's awesome. Have you had an American meal yet? Have you gone over to someone's house and grilled burgers before? Man, come over to my house. I'm great on the grill. Actually, I'm pretty good on the grill. Eh? <laughs> if I do say so myself, and I do say so myself. <laughs> we all have an opportunity to use every person that we come into contact with for the gospel, to, to, to share the gospel with those people. And people from other countries so often, man, they're never even invited into an American's home. They can live here for a decade and never be invited into an American's home. And we love Jesus. Let's not be those people. Let's be people who are looking for ways to engage, looking for ways to invite people in, looking for ways to demonstrate the love that Jesus has for every person on planet Earth, every human who is created in the image of God. One of my favorite stories uh, about greeting, I have a, a, a guy, he, um, he is 17 years old. Um, he is kind of getting, getting a little bit connected with our student ministry, um, but there's a family in our church who has invited him uh, to be a foreign exchange student in their home for a year. He's from China. And we know that the Chinese government uh, is, is not pro-Christianity. And, uh, and his name is James, he's here. And, uh, and this family has had the opportunity to share uh, the gospel with him from day one. And James has now become a Christian. And uh, it's so awesome, we're excited. We're gonna baptize him here soon and uh, it's gonna be really, really cool. Um, but God gives us all opportunities. Um, and, 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 and here's the thing, whether it's uh, you feel called to pray or go or send or mobilize or enable or greet. Man, what is your part in the story? Well, we're all called to some of this, right? Uh, and, and to some effect, we're called to all of this, right? As followers of Jesus, we are called to be the hands and feet. We're called to be uh, uh, men and women who are not just characters and recipients of the story, but participants in the story, right? So what if we as a church said, hey, yeah, Sign me up for that plan. God, I wanna be a part of your unfolding plan to reach every tribe, tongue, and nation with the message of the gospel. I wanna be a part of the ministry and message of reconciliation. What if we were a church that said, yes, we wanna all play our part, whether it's a small part or a large part. We want to play our part in the unfolding story of the Great Commission. What could that look like? How loud could we be for the name of Jesus if we all said collectively, sign me up. I wanna be a part of the plan. Let the gospel work in me so that I can take it to others. How incredible could that be? As 
I close today, um, there's this awesome verse that Paul writes uh, to uh, the Romans. It's Romans 16, verse 20. We're not gonna turn there, but Paul's writing concluding thoughts after writing a uh, book that is all about the gospel. I mean, Romans is basically Paul's doctoral thesis on the gospel. And at the very end, he lets us in on what God's ultimate plan is and how the gospel is meant to impact us. He says in Romans 16, 20, that the God of heaven will crush Satan under your feet. You and I, as followers of Jesus, are meant to strive side by side together for the faith of the gospel so that God could crush sin and death and Satan under our feet. How awesome, how awesome. Let's pray together. God, we're grateful for who you are. Thank you for your incredible plan that is unfolding both in our lives personally but also through our lives. God, thank you that you have invited us to become characters in your unfolding story of redemption. That though we were lost because of sin and our own rebellion, that Jesus, you came after us, you pursued us, you called us out of darkness and into light. And that the gospel is unfolding in our lives and it's changing us and it's making us more like you. That we are bearing your image. That the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. God, thank you that through that beautiful reality, your glory will cover the earth as we make disciples of all nations. As we baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything you've commanded them. God, I pray that we would be men and women who would strive together side by side for the faith of the gospel. Not so that the name of Mosaic would be loud, but, but that the name of Jesus would be loud beyond our community and all over the world. Jesus, we're so grateful. And it's in your name that we pray.